0: I wonder when we could arrange an interview, some time to talk.
1: Uh, about what?
0: Well, we're not looking for any inside information. You know, I don't care one way or another if you catch whoever did this. I'm writing an article on how the clutter killings are affecting the town. You know, how you all are bearing up.
1: I care. Excuse me? I care a great deal if we catch whoever did this.
0: know oh, I see.
1: As do a lot of folks around no, here. of course. Do you have press credentials?
0: What's a New Yorker magazine? Magazines don't give out. You can come to the news conference with the rest of them.
1: Sears so Robot. The boy was 16. He was 15. Uh, Nancy was 16.
2: And it's her friend that found?
1: Uh, Laura Kinney. You spell that? Uh, I, I assume you're okay with the Laura part. K-I-N-N-E-Y, but uh, please leave her be. Let's talk about a bunch of Mexicans, a whole bunch of Mexicans. Oh well, George, it's good to see you again. Uh, I do have an opinion whether this was the work of one man or a whole bunch, as you said. But it doesn't matter a whole lot, whether it was Mexicans or Methodists or Eskimos.
3: Right.
1: We're going to find whoever did this. Now, four good people from our community are dead, so let's remember that. The West Kansas Farm Committee is offering a $1,000 reward for information leading to an arrest. Please print that. And thank you all for coming.
0: He was, he was foxy. That old man. Mm. This make you miss Alabama? Not even a little bit.
4: Don't lie. Huh. Well, welcome to the Doctor Zeus film podcast. F- was that 15, 17 years ago? Seventeen years ago, Bennett Miller released his film Capote. Where the late it's still hard to say. The late Philip Seymour Hoffman played the Tiny Terror, Mr. Truman Capote. Won an Academy Award for it. Even uh Oh, the screenwriter was Dan Futterman. Uh even Katherine Keener was nominated for playing Truman Capote's real life friend, Nell Harper Lee, who went on to write to Kill a Mockingbird, and it's and and it's observed at this point in the or some point in the film, not this point. And what Capote really is about is the clutter killings while he is doing research for his very famous and infamous book, In Cold Blood. The film is, I mean, this is a performance where, you know, even I took note. And I remember my mother saying how her and my grandmother were reading in cold blood when they went camping. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, She was telling me this as we were watching the film. Um, But there are so many moments in Capote that I thought we would highlight and then we'll have a little surprise. He
5: had anything to do with it. It's just to see if he remembers anything unusual. People
0: in town... Do seem to wonder if he was involved.
6: Yeah, that's been really hard for
0: Danny. Oh, it's the hardest. When someone has a notion about you and it's impossible to convince them otherwise. Because you know, since I was a child, folks have thought they had me picked because of. The way I. The way I am. You know, the way I talk. And, and they're always wrong.
4: You know what I mean. So that's that's just one of the moments in Capote, where Philip Seymour Hoffman. I mean, oh my God, what a what an actor, um, and uh, yeah. I'll, let me let me grab more of it.
0: A short while but my mama was born and bred
2: you know something alvin pretends he doesn't know who you are but the minute you came to town he read your books no he had oh. one of his men pick up breakfast at tiffany's in kansas city because it's banned in the
0: library here oh. <laughs> and he said i feel like you're spiting me <laughs> I, I, do you think i took this job to spite you I was writing the script as they were filming all that time in Italy, and I I worked like mad all day long and then dashed down to the bar around midnight to end in the next eight scenes. And Humphrey had had, had just about moved into the hotel bar. Humphrey Bogart. Where he and John... John Houston? (laughs) uh, They drank every night. And I mean drank, you know, like famished water buffaloes. Well, I'd only just handed them the final scene when the bellhop told me I had a phone call. And it was my stepfather, Joe Capote, calling to say that my mother had died. I I flew home to New York terribly distraught. But when I got to the apartment, I could see that Joe was even worse shape than I was. He grabbed my hand... And he said to me, "Talk. Hey, yeah, talk about anything. You know, I mean, any subject in the world. Don't worry whether it'll interest me or not. Just talk, so I won't break down. He couldn't bear to be alone with his thoughts." too painful.
2: It's been a hard couple of weeks for Alvin. He and Herb Clutter were good friends from church. Oh, come on, Alvin. These are good people.
4: And so much of Capote is about him gathering research for what would become in Cold Blood. The book, the novel that not only broke new ground, but forever haunted Truman Capote. And he never wrote another novel again and went downward into drug addiction and went to Studio 54, and according to Anderson Cooper, had very dirty fingernails. In fact, Truman Capote was good friends with Gloria Vanderbilt. Some have said that Holly Golightly in Breakfast at Tiffany's is in fact loosely based off of Gloria Vanderbilt. As is Dill, in To Kill a Mockingbird. I mean, there's even the rumor that Capote helped Harper Lee write To Kill a Mockingbird. But when it comes to In Cold Blood, as I've said, it haunted Truman Capote. It haunted him to the day he died in 1984. And I thought, let's let's go into that. The relationship between, I mean, there really was it's strange to believe a really a relationship between capote and perry smith and um yeah but first i want to talk to truman capote mr capote you've been dead since 1984
7: well you don't have to remind me of that I'm well aware I've been dead since 1984. Now, Philip Seymour Hoffman's portrayal of me, Toby Jones even did a portrayal of me. Um, It is fascinating. But these people, they do it for awards, you know? And I was on Johnny Carson, and Barbara Walters wouldn't interview me because of the way I taught. But that's Barbara, and if you look at
4: the way Barbara talks, yeah, let's go there. Thank you, Mr. Capote. What was your first reaction of Perry Smith? Perry Smith was obviously
7: someone who was from a traumatic family, a traumatic experience, and that led to him doing all these horrible things. But in cold blood, I was haunted for it, forever. And I never finished it, I mean, unfinished prayers or unanswered prayers. It was halfway finished when they finally put it out. And I'd been dead a long time.
4: Thank you, Mr. Capote. Well, that's just not how we do things.
0: Yeah, I understand what a burden, unlimited visitation might be on this institution and on the people who pay for it. And I want to be clear that I don't expect the citizens of Leavenworth County to have to shoulder that burden. is to be dispensed as you see fit. not so different as you might think, that I was abandoned repeatedly as a child. My mom had dragged me along to some new town so she could take up with another man she'd met. Night after night, she locked me in the hotel room alone. Mama turned the latch and tell the staff not to let me out no matter what. And I was terrified. And I screamed my head off. And until finally I collapsed on the carpet next to the door and I fell asleep. And after years of this, she just left me with relatives in Alabama. Who raised you up? My hands. That's where I met now. And she lived. She lived next door. your mother was Indian? Cherokee. Drinking was not a good thing for her. No tolerance for it.
8: (laughs) We're all on a suicide watch. That's why they leave the lights on at night. I hope we're past
0: that now, I do. to take your notebooks with me. I want to read them. Hey, if I leave here without understanding you, the world will see you as a monster always. I don't want Trust me. And that's why he gave it to me. He's given me absolutely everything. And he wants so badly to be taken seriously, to be held in some esteem.
6: Do you? Do I want? Do you hold him in esteem, Truman?
0: Well, he's a gold mine. Uh, his dead mother Uh, he had a brother and his sister kill themselves
6: Uh,
0: did you tell him your mama did the same thing yeah I can't tell him everything we've been talking our heads off for the past month and sometimes when I when I think how good my book can be I can hardly
4: breathe and see it's all about in cold blood (sighs) That's calculated right there. Um, Clifton Collins Jr. plays Perry Smith. And um, Mark Pellegrino is Dick Hitchcock. Um, Chris Cooper is Alvin Dewey. Catherine Keener is Nell Harper Lee. Amy Ryan is uh, Mary Dewey so yeah there's there's a lot going on in here, and um Capote really kind of prolonged when the book was gonna because you know he he had to wait till they were dead, so it really uh that's i that's why it ate Adam. At Here is another scene from the Bennett Miller-directed Capote.
5: Good evening, New Yorkers. And thank you for coming to the first public reading, the first offering of any kind, of Truman Capote's new work, In Cold Blood.
0: Hello, my name is Truman Capote. (laughs) For this this evening's program, I'm going to read uh, some passages from the first three parts of my new book. Uh, The village of Holcomb stands on the high wheat plains of western Kansas, a lonesome area that other Kansans call out there. Until one morning in mid-November 1959, few Americans, in fact, few Kansans, had ever heard of Holcomb. Like the waters of the Arkansas River, like the motorists on the highway, exceptional happenings never stopped there. Harry Smith's voice was both gentle and prim. A voice that, though soft, manufactured each sound exactly. Ejected it like a smoke ring issuing from a parson's mouth. The four coffins, which quite filled the small flower-crowded parlor, were to be sealed at the funeral services. Very understandably, for the effect was disquieting. Nancy wore her dress of cherry red velvet, her brother a bright plaid shirt. The parents were more sedately attired, Mr. Clutter in navy blue flannel, his wife in navy blue crepe. And it was this especially that lent the scene an awful aura. The head of each was completely encased in cotton, a swollen cocoon twice the size of an ordinary blown up balloon and the cotton because it had been sprayed with a glossy substance twinkled like Christmas tree snow one Tuesday at dawn a carload of strangers ignorant of the local disaster were startled by what they saw as they crossed the prairies and passed through Holcomb windows ablaze Almost every window in almost every house and in the brightly lit rooms, fully clothed people, even entire families who had sat the whole night wide awake, watchful, listening. Of what were they frightened? It might happen again. Thank you. The, and I ripped a hole from the bottom of my
5: scrotum
0: all the way up to the top of the crack of my ass. And I sat there, but I didn't know it. All I felt was a, all, uh, I did didn't know it. All I felt was a cool breeze flowing through my.
9: <laughs> Sorry, if, if I may. Uh... Yes. Your portrait of those men was terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> Thank
0: you. Stop that man. <laughs> Come back here. Dad. Have any of you met my father? <laughs> he hasn't spanked me in years. George didn't
4: come backstage. And so as you can tell, Truman Capote was very self-involved. Very self-involved. And when it came time to, in cold blood, and to finish it, that's where I think the guilt began to hit him. Because he realizes... He can't finish this book until they're dead.
3: You check your paper, sir.
8: This is what we've been waiting for. The state of execution to make a federal appeal. All thanks to you. Thank you. I'm not going to corner me now, unless the U.S. government says so. Kansas had it in for me for 10 years. (laughs) They can't corner me now. Mm -mm.
0: Hey, Perry, sit down. For a minute. Uh, I need you to talk to me. We got all the time in the world to talk.
8: I've been thinking about Ricardo. You really need to stop sending those trashy books. Nah, I won't even mention the pornography. Nah, I realized it. They probably can't grasp the literature that you gave me on the books you sent them on me. <laughs> they only exacerbate the problem.
0: They only heighten or intensify it. Maybe we can get him straight our Harry, program. I know what exacerbate means. Okay, well, I'm just there, 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 There's not a word or a sentence or a concept that you can illuminate for me. There is one singular reason I keep coming here. Truman. November Fourteenth, nineteen fifty-nine. Three years ago. Three years. Hmm. That—that's that's all I want to hear from you. I asked you not to ever. Hmm. This is absurd. Do you know what absurd means? I'm ready, I have a plane to catch. I found your sister in a coma. Maybe she'll talk to me about something useful. Please don't go out there. This is my work, Perry, I'm working. And when you wanna tell me what I need to hear, you let me know.
6: June's dead. Frank shot himself. Now Perry did what he did. I used to love him. He was my little doll. He scares me now.
0: When was the last time you saw him? 10 years ago. 10 years. Could I borrow one of these pictures?
8: What's the name of your book? What's the name
0: of your book? I don't know what you're talking about.
8: Last night, before a packed audience, from his nonfiction book, In Cold Blood. The true crime novel tells of killers Richard Hickok and Perry Smith, who brutally murdered a Kansas family three years ago.
0: Who sent that to you?
8: It's not your goddamn business.
0: It is my business because it's not true. The organizers of the reading needed a title. They picked one. A sensational one, I admit, to attract a crowd. They picked it? Yes. It's not your title. Harry, I haven't chosen one yet. How could I choose a title when we still haven't talked about that night? How could
4: I? I couldn't. Possibly. So we're going to pull away because Perry Smith starts to realize what's going on. Now, in reality, some have said that the book differs from the real-life events. In Cold Blood was an instant success when it was published in 1966 and is the second best-selling true crime book in history, behind Vincent Okay, let me say his name properly. You probably know who I'm going to say. Bulozi. Bulozi, who wrote Helter Skelter. Uh Uh-huh. I don't usually talk about true crime, but When it comes to the film Capote and the whole inspiration behind it, it really is a disturbing thing to talk about. It was turned into a 1967 film starring, here we go.
5: Capote became a worldwide bestseller now a motion picture brings this book to the screen in cold blood an appalling and apparently senseless crime two apparently heartless young criminals what is the reality behind the appearance Richard Brooks a director of great forcefulness, but determined to capture the reality with absolute honesty. Kansas City. The film company moves here because it was from this bus terminal that the real Perry Smith made a crucial telephone call. The real Dick Hickok stopped at this gas station on the way to the fateful meeting with his partner. In this store, the killers bought the rope and tape with which they bound and gagged their victims. The relentless pursuit of authenticity leads cast and crew to the actual city streets, the sun-drenched desert highways, the rain-swept country roads, and the garish gambling towns where the real-life drama was played out. Of these same spectators and reporters were in the sullen crowd that saw the killers brought to this courthouse after their capture. In this courtroom they were tried for murder and seven of the jurors are the actual men who decided their fate. Actor John Forsythe portrays the agent who solved the crime. A remarkable look-alike for Alvin Dewey, the real-life investigator. These are the real killers. These are the actors who play their parts. So uncanny are the resemblances that they have said, sometimes we get the creepy feeling that we really are those guys. Robert Blake plays Perry Smith. Scott Wilson plays Richard Hickok. The crime depicted in In Cold Blood took place inside this house. It is reenacted inside this house. So that the motion picture itself becomes a terrifyingly true story of our generation. A generation both repelled and attracted by violence.
4: So when Cold Blood came out a year after the book was published. In that time, Nell Harper Lee had uh, published To Kill a Mockingbird. It became a, a film. In the film, Truman Capote is like... I do not see what all the fuss was about about the movie. It was a children's movie. Because he's a character in the movie. So Here's a real life Truman Capote talking about In Cold Blood. Although that's a commercial. Thank you YouTube for fucking around. Here we go. My next guest I consider a very good friend
2: of mine and is the author of novels, short stories, and plays. He's a ...certainly taking his place uh, on the front rank of American Letters. Uh, There's a gentleman a long time ago said I'm as tall as a shotgun and just as noisy. Would you welcome Truman Capote. True?
6: I'm just fine. Excuse me,
2: I'm still uh, coming un-glued here. I'm
6: not well, used Well, you to were that. joking with Mr. Fraser about going a couple of rounds with him. There's something I can do better than he can which is tap dance. I've seen him tap dance with your show, remember? That's right, he did.
2: Yeah. You tap dance better than he does? Yeah, I
6: can do it better than he does.
2: All right. Get rope, All right. going to do a couple of steps? steps yeah. Come on, Truman. Come on, Truman. You brought it up. I'm not in the mood. <laughs> what do you mean you're not another in the mood? Another night. Show him. business is your life. What do you mean uh, you're yeah, not in the mood?
6: night, we'll have him back and we'll have a tap
2: dance. Oh, I'm going to put that down. Next time Truman's on the show, we're going to get the charts and your tap dance. <laughs> I didn't know you did that. I'm
6: sure. That was. My, what I originally wanted to be when Is I was right? a child. I went to, uh, I was mad about vaudeville and tap dancers. And I used to just, uh... That was so I wanted go. to go to Hollywood and be a professional tap dancer.
2: Nothing wrong with that. All good fighters have to have that <laughs> kind of moves and learn to dance. Hey, I saw the other night on television.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh... And I'd seen it before, and I forgot what a powerful uh, powerful film that was. And Cold Blood was okay. on, based on your book. Gee, that was a powerful picture. I hadn't seen it for about four years, and that really was a uh, those remarkable. Two were,
6: those two boys in that film were really remarkable.
2: Blake and the other mm-hmm. fellow was... Uh, Scott Wilson. Wilson. I remember sitting with you one night a year or so ago, mm-hmm. and you told, and I, don't, I don't want to start this thing on a down note, but it, it's an interesting subject, and I know you have something you have... Affinity for. In fact, you have a special coming up. I think December the seventh about San Quentin. Do you not? I
6: have a documentary, documentary for television that's going to be on the evening of December seventh. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, It's inside San Quentin um, with me talking to. Well, it gives an overall view of a, of a modern prison mm-hmm. and, and prisons of a particular interest and kind, and the staff of the prison i think it's an interesting film it's actually three hours long but it's been cut into two parts so it's going to run separately one and a half hours and then another hour and a
2: half. yeah i remember sitting with you one night in our apartment when you discussed and it brought it to mind when i saw the conclusion of in cold blood where they executed uh perry, smith. perry and smith and uh, i remember you sitting there talking about that you had come to know them quite well because you researched this Mm-hmm. and I guess it was four or five years,
6: five years
2: after the crime in which they were executed, and they ask you to be at that execution. Yeah. And I think, I remember you saying at that time, if, if anyone would ever witness
5: mm-hmm.
2: an execution, whether by hanging, I suppose, and I suppose whether it was in a gas chamber or electric chair, that one, one would probably not be for capital punishment, no matter how heinous the crime or anything else.
6: Well, I don't think you could be, but, I mean, especially by hanging, because uh, it's it's really uh, that was a double execution that night and it took all about an hour and a half from the time that the thing started till it was over and they were on the gallows each one of them for over 20 minutes before their hearts stopped beating i mean it's a really an an, an unbelievably horrendous thing to watch it must be especially you know i mean despite what they did or anything i had known those two boys really intimately over a period of five years and it was uh, just excruciating to, it would have been whether I'd ever seen them or not, that's not the point. Right. But for somebody that you knew that well to watch them be executed in that way was uh, very difficult. Those uh, who
2: are against capital punishment, which I, I know you are, and many, many people are, and their arguments of course pro and con, mm-hmm. logical and intelligent arguments I suppose, but somebody once said, I think it was the pro-capital punishment, said, if capital punishment is supposed to serve a, <laughs> serve a purpose as a deterrent, uh, whether it's by hanging, then they should do it out in public, where yeah. the public can witness it, if it's supposed to be so terrible. Uh, but they don't seem to do that. They seem to do it in the dead of night, and you hire somebody to do it for you. And as long as the people don't have to see it, they seem to be all for it. So. Uh, it's not a bad argument, saying, "Well, if this is supposed to, why don't, why don't you do it out in the public square?" Might well, of
6: course to. you know. I mean, the point is that if they did do it, human nature is so peculiar uh, that really millions of people would watch it and get some sort of vicarious uh, sensation out of it. Uh, About well, they deserved it. I mean, in 18th century England, uh, there was public executions, and people went by the thousands. It was a, ho- like a holiday. And in the West here, less than 100 years ago, I mean, in the Western towns, the, uh, the hangings were all in public on right. the square, and people came for hundreds of miles around and turned it into a big, um, like, a county fair. Uh, and then then they went into you know, this private, secluded kind of thing of, of execution. I think that... I don't know. I don't really believe that argument, that if, public, if executions were public, they would act as a deterrent. No.
2: Didn't, didn't seem to them, did they? Mm-hmm. All right. We have to take a break here, but we will be back in just one minute after this pause.
4: And that was the real life Truman Capote with his good friend in nineteen seventy-two, Johnny Carson. In fact, he was friends with Johnny Carson's former wife. She was with him the night she was with Truman Capote the night he died. Here is the late man himself, Philip Seymour Hoffman, talking about. Truman Capote. In Capote, you physically and mentally really transformed yourself into the role of Capote himself. Could you please just briefly describe how you actually prepared for this role and accomplished this incredible feat?
3: Um, I worked on the accent. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I did, I, I, had, uh, I had to get very small and so I, I got really thin and I watched tapes of him for months and um, I worked how he spoke and and all this stuff which was really just kind of a big distraction, you know what I mean because uh, he had to figure out, he had to, I had to act the role and that was the more difficult part actually, everything else could be kind of practiced and made a part of, and I knew I had to do do some kind of idea or a sense of his voice and mannerisms and look because he was such an iconic figure. But the acting of it was the tricky part, you know, and and that's something that's really, you really don't, you know, how you, I had to start asking questions about, you know, ambition and these things and wanting to be loved, you know the desire to be loved on a kind of a epic scale. and You know, you start exploring those things in an honest way in yourself and in people you know, and that's the hard work. The other stuff was just, you know, stuff you have to do in order to portray a certain thing. And and here I knew I had to kind of come up with some semblance, some idea, some sense of it. But I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to like mimic him, you know, but it was the idea of some sense, some behavior, some way of putting myself together in a way that it was like, here he is. So people could then take me in and then take the story in so we could get that out of the way you know I that opening scene at the dinner party where you just kind of open up and boom you hear him and you see him and it's such a great way to open that movie because you kind of go oh my God, You know who's that weirdo you know and like cause it is kind of strange you know and and me being that on top of it that whole experience could just be had in the first 30 seconds you know and then you could get into the movie. You know, stop thinking about it or worrying about it. So I thought that was good. I bet it did that.
4: <sighs> Philip Seymour Hoffman talking about Capote in 2000. When was it? Was this in 2005, I believe, or 2010? As I said earlier, Tim, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman died in 2014. Of an overdose he was a beloved actor Um, and I wanted to bring this up because of addiction and if that's the thing with addicts they have to want to get sober at the same time they need a support system and um, I think what happened to Philip Seymour Hoffman was just yeah Hoffman struggled with drug addiction as a young adult and relapsed in 2012 after many years of abstinence. In February of 2014, he died of a combined drug intoxication. The New York Times obituary said, as perhaps the most ambitious and widely admired American actor of his generation. I mean, he was in Boogie Nights. He was in Nobody's Fool. He really worked for years worked a lot with uh Paul Thomas Anderson and Capote Capote was the film that won him the Oscar and I remember when he died because everyone told me about it because they knew that I was a fan of the film um so let's talk about something good let's talk about a legacy and the fact that Truman Capote or sorry Truman Capote see how good Phil Hoffman was <laughs> um went on to win the oscar for best actor for playing the tiny terror that's what he was called Truman Capote
9: evening. As a film actor, you've got to figure out how to get the character you're playing small enough to get through the tiny lens, yet big enough to fill the largest screen. The craft consists of making the right choice. Philip Seymour Hoffman in Capote. <clears throat> Terence Howard in Hustle & Flow. Keith Ledger in Goatback Mountain.
6: Joaquin Phoenix in Walk the Line. David Strathairn in Good Night and Good Luck.
9: And the Oscar goes to... Philip Seymour Hoffman in Capote.
5: This is the first Academy Award and nomination for Philip Seymour Hoffman. His big-screen break was in Boogie Nights. During his 36 days filming Capote, even in between shots and during breaks, Hoffman tried to stay in character vocally and physically.
9: (laughs) um, Wow, I'm in a... uh, a category of some great, great, great actors, uh, fantastic actors, and um, and I'm overwhelmed. Uh, I'm really overwhelmed. Um, I'd like to thank Bill Vince and Caroline Barron and uh, Danny Rosette. Uh, the film wouldn't have happened without them. I'd like to thank uh, Sarah Fargo. I'd like to thank Sarah Murphy. I'd like to thank Emily Ziff. My friends, my friends, my friends. Uh, I'd like to thank Bennett Miller and Danny Futterman, who I love, I love, I love, I love, I love. Uh, you know the Van Morrison song, I love, I love, I love, and he keeps repeating it like that. Um, and um, and I'd like to thank Tom Bernard and uh, Michael Barker. Thank you so much. And, uh, and my, my, my mom's name is Marilyn O'Connor, and she's here tonight. And uh, I'd like, if you see her tonight, to congratulate her. Uh, because uh, she brought up four kids alone and, uh, and she deserves a congratulations for that. And um... <laughs> ah, we're at the party, Ma, you know. Um... And uh, she took me to my first play and she stayed up with me and watched the NCA uh, Final Four. And uh, my passions, her passions became my passions. And, uh, you know, be proud, Mom, because I'm proud of you, and we're here tonight, and (laughs) it's so good. Thank you.
4: And so that's what happened in 2006. Philip Seymour Hoffman went on to win the Oscar for Best Actor in a Leading Role for playing the late. He was nicknamed the Tiny Terror, Truman Capote, while he was writing and researching his book, a true crime novel, the first of its kind, in cold blood. And here we are now in a world where everyone has a true crime podcast, yes. But I wanted to talk about this because I was such a fan of that film. And at parties, I used to do my own little Capote, and here we go.
7: It was at Marilyn's apartment the other day, and she had four Matisses on the wall. Two are upside down. You will be stunned by Perry Smith. It's as if Perry and I were born in the same house, only I went out the front door and he went out the back.
4: And I used to do that at parties. And people would just trip out. They Well, they were tripping out. <laughs> and they were like, oh my God, he sounds like him. Well, the movie version, not the real. The real Truman Capote, his voice was a little higher. But yes, it is such an amazing film. It came out in September of 2005, directed by Bennett Miller, screenplay by Dan Futterman. If you remember Dan Futterman, he was on, he's a very beloved actor. He was on Will and Grace. Um, But at the center of of Capote is that performance by the late Philip Seymour Hoffman. He did many many great performances after that was nominated multiple times but he will be forever remembered for playing Capote. I mean there were there were other versions of people playing Capote but Philip Seymour Hoffman's was legendary. It was legendary. Awards aside. So yeah, that's the that's the Doctor Zeus Film podcast talking about Trima Capote and talking about Philip Seymour how how Philip Seymour Hoffman did that. Because he has that deep, deep voice and to breathe life into someone who has been dead since nineteen eighty four. So that's the Doctor Zeus Film podcast and as always unpleasant dreams. <laughs>